I'm Jan Sukfong Lee. And I'm Dina Del Vucchia. And this is Can't Lit. Can't Lit. Talk about books and stuff. Hello, and welcome to Can't Lit. It's a podcast about books and stuff, but also could be about anything because we love tangents. It's the podcast that loves tangents, maybe more than the official subject of the podcast. Yeah, Hi, it Jen. doesn't matter about the books. Hi, Dina. <laughs> <laughs> no, the books do matter. And today, especially, we have a super incredible guest. I was actually lucky enough to um, be at her book launch in Vancouver about a week ago. It was one of my favorite book launches in our pandemic lives. Uh, and maybe all time it was just very, very fun, but it's writer, artist, library professional, Emily Riddle. Hello. Hi. Yeah. I'm Hi. so happy to be impressed. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Yeah. You're a library professional. I am. Yes. I'm not technically a librarian cause I don't have an MLIS. So, um, I can't say that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm I, a library professional. Yeah. <laughs> I have another very good friend who also is a library professional, but not doesn't have an MLS. And um, yeah, but you also, the two of you, I would say are like my top library people. No offense, librarians, but you got some good people <laughs> that don't have MLS doing the work. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. We should just start pissing off all the librarians. That's what, that's what can't let you do. Listen, we're finally ready to bring back Canlit Feuds, and it's this podcast versus oh all gosh. librarians. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're going to lose so many listeners if we, we start are. feuding with we librarians. Are. Or, we, or we gain a lot. Hard to say. Listen, but also yeah. we do. No. Librarians are, like, universally loved. Like, when I apply to rent at a place and they see that I work for the library, they think that I'm, like, I save lives, that I'm, like, an angel. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. how you. That's how you it. just go with it. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get an apartment. You just say, mm, "I'm library adjacent." Yeah, honestly, that's really that's <laughs> honestly really cute and good to know. Uh, we love librarians. We can't lie. We do. No, we do. Except yeah. for the shitty ones that like to let turfs um, talk at the library. <laughs> so just stop doing that we've we've all told you you gotta not do that <laughs> it's so I boring listeners, i think our <laughs> listeners need to know that emily is wearing the most beautiful springy green mm-hmm. top and it makes me so happy because we're in the middle of like or the beginning of february i guess and i'm so tired of sweaters and um it's bringing me optimism and hope which i haven't <laughs> felt in my dead soul for quite some time <laughs> <laughs> It's very much winter outside here in Edmonton, too, so I'm, it's just a hoax, my top. <laughs> I told Emily that it, when we first got on that it kind of reminded me of, like, AstroTurf. It's, like, that bright, bright green. It is, anyway, yeah, it, it is great. <laughs> Wait, is the Super Bowl happening? Is that today? No, today is the Grammys. The Super Bowl's next okay. week. Thank you. <laughs> I just knew that so, those things were on the horizon. Well, in I, my household, awards shows are like the Super Bowl. Yeah. So uh, we're making a tray of sliders and curly fries is what we're doing. And we're going to watch the Grammys. <laughs> Honestly, that sounds great. Yeah, I love the Grammys. It's so great. You get to complain about everything. It's fantastic. Yeah. And if Gwen Stefani shows up, I'm going to have some things to say. Yeah, you really <laughs> will. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> the return of your old enemy, Gwen Stefani. Yeah, why Did is she returning? <laughs> why is she what? Sorry? Why is she returning? Like, I, I don't. Okay, the one thing. Okay, this is like a tangent, but can't let loves a tangent. Is that. What I did hear is that Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton have now been banned from certain uh, corporate, like corporate media. So Condé Nast will not cover them for the time being. So Condé Nast owns the magazine where Gwen Stefani said all those stupid things, allure. But they also own Vanity Fair. They own Vogue. They own, I I don't know if they own The Hollywood Reporter, but they own, or Variety, it's one of the two. So they Mm -hmm. own all of this shit. So I'm curious, like, are they going to try, what are they going to try to do to come back? Like what... Uh, Cause it's, and I, and I find it very interesting that they've banned both of them. 
um, because they really want Gwen Stefani to like apologize, which of course she has not, and she won't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So weird. It's really weird. Good on Condé Nast, you know. They can't alienate readers. I mean, honestly, it's just it's a lot. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, what's happening? Yeah, what's Emily, happening? What's happening with you, Emily? You tell us what's happening with you. Uh, I, yeah, I just got back from Toronto last night, and I'm very happy to be back in Edmonton. Um, Jess, yeah, Jess and I did a book launch in Vancouver, and then we're planning another one in Toronto and Halifax. And yeah, just like getting back into regular Edmonton library life and making salads instead of eating chicken strips every day on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have a really important follow-up. What is your <laughs> ideal chicken strip dip what do you want to dip your strips in usually sweet and sour or Mm. like a plum sauce yeah Mm. very basic Mm -hmm. no I think that's a great choice yeah I'm very supportive oh I love (laughs) a plum sauce oh plum sauce is good on many things Mm -hmm. Um, versatile it's versatile like on a spring roll who doesn't like it it's delicious yeah yeah. What's it like touring or what's it like oh doing all these things with your friend? Like having a buddy. It's so to, like, much better. Like yeah, it's definitely so much better. Um yeah, just being together and, and also like not taking launches like super seriously. Like in Vancouver, we did um we just like went to the dollar store and got a bunch of uh, prizes and then we did a raffle. Um but in order to win the raffle, people had to either read a part of our book, um, give us compliments or talk about a memory they had of us. Um, so we kind of flipped it on the on either way around and made the audience do the work <laughs> after a very short reading. So that was nice. And no, I feel like no one wants to, I don't want to go to a book launch where someone reads for 45 minutes. <laughs> Nobody no. wants that. It's no, literally <laughs> no one. <laughs> no, it's not fun at all. But yeah, I went to that launch. It was at Massey Arts and it was truly super fun. Um, there were some semi-scandalous reveals like but then also a lot of like just pure sweetness and then yeah I thought we were gonna get roasted we got a little bit roasted (laughs) not much you I mean I feel like it was kind of the right tone overall and the right amount of roasting versus toasting like it was it was I don't know it was I left and I was like I walked home and I was just feeling great that I had been in the room with everyone there. It was just so, it was just a really, really good vibe. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of like prizes for compliments. I think we should all do this. Walk around with pockets full of good shit so that we can get compliments. <laughs> One of the prizes was um, Werther's Originals. Yeah, great. That, that were won by Curtis LeBlanc. And when he got there, he came in and he was wearing this very kind of like retro shirt. And I said, oh, my God, I think my Nono had that exact shirt. And then he bought <laughs> the grandpa candies. And I was like, it was foretold that you had to have them. <laughs> I do think Curtis has has a real sweet grandpa vibe in a young person's body. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, but yeah, this is being targeted for moving back to Alberta. Like we have, like uh, <laughs> Jess and I, I convinced, I convinced Jess to move back to Edmonton, and I have like we have like a plan, a web of this person moves from Vancouver, we can get this person, and and Curtis, I think we'd be able to steal from Vancouver so quite easily. <laughs> I mean, he is like my he is like my long lost son, so I would miss him, but. That's- <laughs> <laughs> I say to him all the time, every time I see you, Curtis, I just want to make you soup and biscuits. He's got that, like, for some reason, he's, yes, a grandpa vibe, but also I want to take care of him. Weird. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that was also mentioned at the launch. There was a little bit of um, Edmonton recruitment. <laughs> but it was subtle, I think. Like, it wasn't, you, no one was pushing too hard. You knew, you know. Wait, yeah. Emily, have you been behind this whole exodus to... Edmonton because like is it you who's done this all maybe yeah (laughs) (laughs) I I was like you should move back to Edmonton and then like a month later she was here so (laughs) yeah I mean you guys have such a good 
little scene out there. It's not even little, it's big. It's just mm-hmm. like, there's, there's good people doing good stuff. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely miss, like, there's definitely a bigger lit scene in Vancouver um, that I miss and it was so nice to be back. But yeah, I do like our like scrappy glass bookshop, like all the yeah. spaces here. No, I yeah. think it's great. Yeah. I have never been to Edmonton. So for my next, Ooh. when my next book comes out, I'm definitely coming to Edmonton. Yeah, it's nice. Top of the list. I know. Yeah. Well, I didn't really used to know a lot of people there and then no one invited me there. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? Just show up and like one weirdo comes to the event? Like that stinks. (laughs) So now I feel like it would be a bit better. Um, Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jen, what's happening with you? Uh, you know, stuff is happening. I was in the middle, still in the middle of book stuff promoting and, Mm -hmm. uh, and I was in Toronto also. And then like, you know, here's the thing. They booked me into this hotel that was designed by Lenny Kravitz, allegedly. Okay. Cause like when you check in, they like give you a little like brochure and it says like Lenny Kravitz designed it. So everything in this hotel is dim lighting, black marble and like framed prints of like sexy ladies <laughs> like everywhere and <laughs> and they spray all the common areas with Lenny Kravitz's like personal scent so it smells like Lenny Kravitz in there and this is like it was interesting but you know what when you're trying to get ready for like a book of it the black marble and the dim lighting I, I couldn't see my own face like it was like <laughs> getting to be a problem I like dropped my mascara tube on the black marble floor and couldn't find it like, it was like <laughs> had disappeared into the floor and I was like yelling at myself in the mirror this place is designed for like sexy times and cocaine neither of which I was having in this hotel and I was like it's a waste (laughs) and like oh my god the mini bar was full top shelf alcohol like it was like Belvedere vodka Hennessy and I like I didn't drink it because I was like I don't know how much it's gonna cost to like take a sip out of this Belvedere vodka bottle but like that was nice and I also wore leather pants which I couldn't get off at the end of the day because I was too sweaty because I'm menopausal but that was fine wait it's did, like Ross it, from Friends you wore, try to take off leather pants <laughs> but you wore leather pants like on television yeah with like studio lighting and uh and I also wore a pair of Spanx under because I was terrified of like everything so I was wearing Spanx and leather pants under studio lights and I'm in a puzzle. So that was a swampy time. <laughs> so gross. And I try to like take it off and I couldn't take it off. Everything was stuck. And there's no one in the hotel room with me because I was not having sexy times and cocaine. So, I was like, <laughs> so you were just trapped in your leather pants. In a black marble room <laughs> where my makeup fell on the floor and disappeared. Like just disappeared. <laughs> And then you just kicked anyway. your, your black leather pants off eventually, and then they disappeared into the void of the... I mean, maybe we'll see them on Lenny Kravitz at the Grammys later. Who knows? I don't know where what happened to those pants. <laughs> I hope that happens. I hope he's just wearing that huge sweater, or that huge scarf, and the pants. Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, that Perfect was. Uh, I will say, though, the hotel did have a really nice like bakery in it, so I ate a lot of croissants, oh. so that was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was nice. So Lenny Kravitz knows his baked goods. That's what I'm saying. That's important. <laughs> that is important. I wouldn't. I didn't know that about him. I love this uh, news. This update. It's very good. Yeah, I'm happy to see that he doesn't wish for all of us to be gluten free. That that made me happy. So that was, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Dina, yeah. what's happening with you though? Okay. Well, <clears throat> um, I am uh, at 43. I'm in my tattoo phase. So this is how to have a midlife crisis. I really feel like it's classic because it works. Um, Like, I don't really care about cars, especially fast cars. So like a convertible isn't going to, it's not going to be the thing for me. That's not going to work for me. Um, So yeah, instead just uh, tattoo tag. You have to tell tell everybody what the tattoos are. I got two tattoos in January. I got this otter drinking a glass of wine. He's just floating, really uh, floating away. She, sorry, her name's Gina, Gina oh. and Dina, and we hang out. So if I ever have a drink and I'm alone, I'm not alone. I have Gina, and no. then on my leg, just this past Tuesday, I got like a branch of of witch hazel, just one of the top plants that you can enjoy. Um, yeah. um, 
Yeah, as listeners of the podcast will know, we do talk about Witch Hazel yeah. in relation to him. Hemorrhoid, yeah, um, Witch Hazel <laughs> is the most important thing if you have hemorrhoids. Get yourself some high concentrate Witch Hazel. It's going to shrink oh. those little bad boys down. This is one of my main health tips. Damn, I did not know that. I'm learning. <laughs> it's great. And you know what? It's great for any type of swelling. It is so useful. You can use it as an astringent on your face if you want to like. It's great. Huge fan of witch hazel, and now I carry it with me permanently. So yeah, I'm just um, planning my next tattoos. I feel like so far the tattoos I've gotten have felt meaningful, and I'm ready for chaos tattoos. Yeah, that, like mean that literally mean nothing, or uh, that are, are just my favorite. yeah, that are just like more <laughs> ridiculous, like you know, like gritty. Um, are you gonna get a gritty tattoo? Oh my god, that would be really funny if I got a gritty tattoo. <laughs> I saw this tattoo on Instagram that someone got that was like of six pack abs. And like, <laughs> on, their, on their abs? On their like stomach, who's like clearly not like, I'll never have six pack abs unless I like freaking eat very specifically. Just like, I don't know, even lifting. But I'm like, what if I got them tattooed on me? <laughs> I love it. Honestly, I love it so much. So, did they actually look like abs or were they like cartoon abs? They're like cartoon abs tattooed. <laughs> better like it's just a ridiculous yeah you know hannah barbera six-pack on your on your torso i love it i think i would die if i was like taking someone's clothes off in a sexy situation and they had cartoon ass like that person you would a bit but also you would have to immediately have sexy times with that person out of respect yeah yeah. yeah, I think, I think that person is marriage material, marriage material, honestly. <laughs> Abs- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so last <laughs> night I was with some friends and we were talking about tattoos because uh, friend of the podcast, Hannah McGregor, had just got a chest piece that was very beautiful and there's birds on it. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm such a beak freak. I really got to get a bird tattoo. And she said, what if you just got the words beak freak tattooed on you? And I was like, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. In like some bird like font that kind of <laughs> suggests birds. What, like what if the they were made out of birds, like drawings of, of birds, each letter? Yeah, you could do that. That would be I fun. I just got thirteen tattooed on me. Um <gasps> and it's like flower font. So you oh, can make that's, birds. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love My it. Haley. Yeah. It's so that good. was a flash. Very spontaneous. I was like on Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's what I need to do. I'm going to get my next tattoo is going to be a flash. Yeah. Just like get something good. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's what's happening with me. I have a body and I'm putting things onto it. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the way it should be. It's the way it should be. It's the way it should be. Yeah. So I, I got my first tattoo in 2014 and then it took me this long and then I got two in one month. I haven't had a tattoo, you're going to laugh, since 1995. <laughs> Jen, that's amazing. That's, yeah, that's how old I am, because I was fully an adult, and that's when I got my tattoos. <laughs> so beautiful. I love it. But oh, we're not here to talk about tattoos. We are here to talk about Emily's book, The Big Melt. It is out now uh, with Nightwood Editions. It is it's a beautiful book. Such an incredible book. I'm so excited to know. talk about it. I'm, you know what, Emily? I don't know. I read it as an ebook. I don't know if you've looked at it as an ebook on my Kobo, and it's it translates beautifully. Oh, that's Kobo. good. I haven't looked. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the one thing that like was making me laugh every time I looked at the title, I kept seeing the Big Mac instead of the Big Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I do write about McDonald's in the book, so I was going to say, you know, there is some McDonald's content, so that that fits. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, this like leads into like my question, um, because McDonald's to me feels like a community. Uh, (laughs) No, but there's so much in this book about relationships, though, right? Like and relationships that are not necessarily romantic relationships, which I think is you know, the thing that people talk about all the time, but we're talking about here about relationships between friendships. Um, Mm -hmm. The friendships are actually, I think, the most prominent and important relationships in this book. Um, 
and they're always sort of really present. Like, can you talk to us a little bit about like how, what friendships mean to this book, but also like to you as an author writing about them and giving them that really beautiful prominence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start off. Like my friends are um, kind of everything to me and why I've like, I don't know, convinced folks to move to Edmonton for us to all live in the same neighborhood. Um but that's how I wanted to leave the book off. Like the last poem is really about friendship. And that was a big debate with the publisher too. <laughs> we had about ordering the poems is like, um, and that was actually a last minute change to kind of put up, put the breakup poems at the beginning of the book as that kind of tone starter. Um, so there definitely is romantic relationships. And maybe this is like a holdover from like living in East. <laughs> I always am like, I'm like not, uh, like an ex-polyamorous person, <laughs> but in a way that I still like really value friendships and kind of don't uh, like make that one romantic relationship like the only important one in my life. So um, I wanted to really write about kinship that happens. Like this is a big thing that lots of Cree academics and, and creative writers write about is like kinship and whether or not that's like family or um, or friendships or other people in your community too. So that's kind of how we always think about being related to everyone in that way. So that was definitely important to, to write about those friendships and, and about place too, and how those change between, I, I guess I didn't really realize until I was reading in Vancouver, the extent to which it is kind of a Vancouver book too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It is a <laughs> Vancouver book. And like, it's funny you're mentioning place because that was, one of the things that like I really was struck by is that there's a total integration of like self community and place, like all Mm -hmm. together. Like, you know, I think when we, um, in writing education, oftentimes we talk about like elements of writing and those things are often separated out. Like you say to a a student or whatever, you're going to work on setting and you're going to work on, you know, character or whatever. But the thing about the big mill, I'm not sure how you did that. Maybe you can tell us is that it's, it's very, everything's extremely like, together like like an integration in a way that you couldn't even separate those elements out um which I thought was really fascinating and I truly I don't know how you did it it's great I love it thank you (laughs) I think it's like the that the like I don't know it sounds cheesy to say like the land is a character but like I think all the settings are in themselves kind of like characters too that hopefully I mean speak back to us or I mean there's definitely a lot of narrative about like why I chose to move home I think in that relationship to the place or feeling out of place on the coast yeah so yeah places are definitely um speaking in the book it's so funny because I've never taken a creative writing class ever so I always find it so funny um sometimes I get asked questions a few in interviews I'm like oh my gosh I don't know how to answer that <laughs> I actually Vivek Shreya was uh the key one of the keynotes at the Ontario Library Association I was at and she was talking about how in a job interview someone asked her about iambic pentameter and she was like I don't know what that is <laughs> oh my god I'm yeah. s- I love that she told that story that's so great <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is yeah, that's amazing. Um, I think this kind of ties into what Jen was was talking about because there is so much love in this book. And there's, I mean, there's tons of emotion in general. Like I laughed, I was like clutching my chest. Um, I was thinking very deeply. But it really feels like you are kind of mapping out the emotional core of each poem so carefully. Um and I, I was wondering sort of how you were thinking about, about love when you were crafting this book, because it is just so mm. full of, of love. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's in the poem yellow. I talk about like the word that we have in our language for love is um, letting someone like making space for someone to grow and be the, their own person. So I think uh, this book is about kind of like transformation of various relationships and of myself. Um, so like leaving that room to grow. Um, and it's it's funny, like I uh, I always think that I can hide more in poems than in nonfiction because I write nonfiction too. But then um, sometimes, yeah, I realize that maybe I, I'm not hiding as much as I thought <laughs> it was when people are reading. Um, but I'm happy that the humor comes through because... Um, 
like I, I remember sending the manuscript to my sister who did the cover for me and she said she just cried and I was like but it's funny <laughs> I mean it can be both but yeah well I think, I think that happens oh though. yeah go oh ahead. sorry go no ahead, go ahead Wait, like, uh, like with when we when our books are being read by like people who are we're really close to I think mm-hmm. like that's been the same thing I've heard from my sisters about like my book, which I actually think is quite funny. But my sister's like, I just cried the whole time. I'm like, you didn't laugh at my Gwyneth Paltrow jokes? Like that's like, yeah, <laughs> because they see you, right? And then they think you're having all these like sad feelings, but it's also funny. <laughs> yeah. And like being sad can be funny. I don't know. Absolutely. Like, again, I get that sometimes too. Like people often associate my work with being funny, but then sometimes people will be like, no, it was so sad. And I was like, but it was also funny. Like, I don't want to fight about this, but it was I mean, funny. We're all, la- we're all laughing at our sadness. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like these are, these are our coping mechanisms. We're doing great. But also there's yeah. a, there's so, to me, there's so much artistry to being to being able to be funny in that way where you are also saying something deeply emotional at the same time. Like Mm -hmm. you're doing twice the work. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's interesting to see who thinks it's funny too, because I feel like um, it's a lot of like old white ladies who don't see the humor. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm sure that's also just like a framing of how they're supposed to respond to, you know, they're like, well, this is a a young indigenous woman's book. So it's obviously (laughs) very serious and no one is laughing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of those people don't know when to laugh. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Probably also that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was looking at like your publisher's description of your book and there was something really interesting about uh, in that description, it said uh, something about your affection for confessional poetry in crafting feminist works that are firmly rooted in place. And I found that really interesting to me because like the idea of confessional um, writing or poetry in particular is that people often don't think about it being political. They don't often think about it being um, something that says something about the larger so sort of like social stuff around us um and they think it's like less politically engaged so I'm, I'm like I would love to hear your thoughts on this because this is something that I think about a lot and um yeah I'm just super interested in that idea of confessional poetry as being something else also yeah I like um yeah I do think a lot of like confessional or like breakup poetry because there definitely is some of that in the book is uh like people think it's divorced from like political relationships but I mean we're always subjects um in relationship with each other is like kind of kinship and power dynamics and all of these things so um which is maybe like uh some academic training and some therapy (laughs) to to consider that and how it's rooted in place and and power dynamics and relationships like that so I think it's kind of ultimately kind of misogynist to say that like confessional poetry can't be political I don't know that's my assertion I I also think like people who say that are people whose existences have never been politicized that they can Mm -hmm. separate the self from the political which is actually a lot of us don't have that luxury so you know yeah I mean that's my angry gen hot take (laughs) yeah totally Um, sorry go ahead Oh, I feel like those, and those breakup poems can like live alongside like archival research or like historical stuff. Like it doesn't have to be, I don't know. It's definitely not a full book of breakup poems, but those are like nestled in there. (laughs) Yeah. As they should be. As absolutely. (laughs) As they, as they should be. Um, Well, and I think that's another really interesting thing about the book and the structure of the book. This book wants the reader to know about big things. And it, it does. It's, it's showing us that through the lens that you're writing through with the voice that you're using. And so there's sort of like from kind of bigger, more larger issues or global issues to like personal ones. It's all big. And I really love the way that this book kind of doesn't merely acknowledge that, but embraces it. It's like, um, I don't know. It's kind of holding equal space for all these things just 
similar to what you were just saying. And I was just wondering kind of how you then approached the sections and the concept of, of big and how it relates to each section in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about the, the word big, I mean, the big Lebowski is one of my favorite movies. So I was thinking (laughs) about that with the title, like the big there. And then also I write about, um, one of my relatives, big bear and like the way that big works in the Cree language. Um, it's like if something is great or big, it gets like the, um, like the prefix, um, specifically. So it's like kind of a play on the way the Cree language works for that too, to use big, um, that way. Um, and then, yeah, I don't like thinking about things as being big, whether or not they're like zoomed in to personal relationships or big problems, obviously like how we're melting the planet right now. (laughs) And I'm not sure, or like oil extraction in Alberta, um, that sort of thing. So um, zooming in and out of those things and how like it's fair to observe feelings and for them to feel really big, even if it's just you um, at that time, too. So admitting to yourself that that's um, an acceptable to feel like something is super big. Um, and in terms of the sections, yeah, the big melt was kind of I wanted to reference like, I mean, I dated I'm she's fine with me saying this, <laughs> talking about her like a, a climate activist for like I moved home to Edmonton and dated a white climate activist. And so um, there was interesting power dynamics in that and, and moving home to my home territory. And so the big melt is kind of a reference to like the melting of a relationship of a romantic relationship and what that looks like. And then also obviously the big melt um, thinking about uh, the mountains in Alberta and um, all those polar ice caps melting, which feed all the rivers in our territory um, too. So that kind of doom and gloom there. So the big melt um, and then uh, the prayers actually section is about like we have um, a prayer in Cree that is uh, has to do with the rainbow, but our rainbow has an additional light blue color to it. So often um, if you're um, giving cloth or ribbon, which we do to elders and, and offering with tobacco or other things, it's in those colors and actually references um, my Nihio name too, which references like a uh, rainbow thunderbird, but I didn't want to like directly write about such ceremonial things in the book to have people, um, I don't know, like dissected or, so it's kind of veiled in a way that you understand if you know that cultural reference to those colors. Um, and then, yeah, kinship is just like such a Cree thing that you'll see in like Jessica's, uh, Jessica John's book or like Billy Ray Belcourt writes about that Dallas Hunt. Like we all, end up writing about kinship or Wakoto men um, to the point that other indigenous people make fun of us about it a lot of the time. You guys are always talking about kinship. <laughs> and then, yeah, like Big Horizon. I mean, Jessica writes about in her book, like feeling like you're in a bowl in Vancouver um, with the mountains surrounding us. And it's so beautiful there, but also feeling kind of trapped as a prairie person to not be able to see the horizon. So the last section of the horizon is like future looking um, and kind of referencing like time not being entirely linear, but also like coming home to that big horizon to be able to see rather than being in that. I think she calls it a cereal bowl in that book. I might be misquoting her. <laughs> Vancouver feeling like a bowl of living in a bowl of cereal. <laughs> I mean, that seems accurate to me. Okay. Here's a question for both of you. If <laughs> Time spent in Vancouver, which type of cereal do you think you're in? Oh. I mean, Rice Krispies? <laughs> I feel like it's like fucking Cashy Go Lean or something. Oh like, I, I don't want to be in it, but it's like I'm being forced to be put into it. No, yeah. I think that's like that's just a portion of Vancouver, right? Like that doesn't represent, you know what I'm saying? This is why yeah. I think it might be Rice Krispies. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Rice Krispies kind of checks out. It's like pretty boring, but it's reliable. You can make it into a sweet bar. Yeah. I was thinking Cheerios. That's Ooh. probably I just probably ate the most Cheerios that anything when I lived in Vancouver. Yeah. Cheerios. Very reliable just go, cereal. Just go yeah. wild and say corn pops. I don't know. Oh, I was gonna say <laughs> Reese's oh, peanut though. butter puffs. Just like the okay, sweetest, yeah. most outrageous cereal. Yeah. <laughs> Booberry. Frankenberry, oh, one of those. That. I've never had it either, but it looks fancy and expensive because huh. you can only buy it in like the candy yeah. store. I yeah. did once get a box of Tim Hortons 
birthday cake Timbit cereal. <laughs> and it really does. Yeah, it was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> hmm. You liked it. I did like it. And um, it's good in a bowl dry when you're just like. Oh, if you're just like shoveling it in. I, yeah. I yeah, love that. Like just eating it. <laughs> I love to I just ask- eat. Wait, hold on. I love to eat cereal out of the box. Also just crackers. If there's crackers in a box, just like regular yeah. grocery store crackers. Oh, it's so just satisfying. Yes. Yeah. Could be anything. With could be saltine. On them. Oh, oh could be a Ritz. I doesn't matter. <laughs> I want to eat them. I just want to pull them out of the box. Stoned wheat thins. I want to crunch on those. They're so crispy. It's ridiculous. Oh my God. I, I, you guys, I hate crackers. I know. Oh you're you're a little chip bitch. I'm a I'm only chips. No crackers. <laughs> oh. Yeah, like I love a plain chip with on a cheese board instead of a cracker. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm it's true. Yeah, it's like pro dip or anti dip. Love dip, all the dips. I will eat any dip. (laughs) Jen's gonna dip. (laughs) Only with chips, though. Can I ask you, Emily? Your mom appears throughout this book a lot. I think it's your mom, or is the speaker's mom? Let me not. Let me not conflate the two. But uh, does what does your mom think of it? I'm curious. Like when I I have a lot of mother issues myself, so like this is like a good question. Ah. It's so, yeah, um, my mom and I, I know she's read it. I sent it to her before I sent the poems to her. I kind of like had a little bit of an ethical crisis about this book and then sent the poem, some of the poems to like select people being like, speak now or forever hold your peace if you're okay with this. Um, not to the men in the book because they can suck it. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Even though there is that amazing part where you're talking about, like, not just telling your friends to dump him already, which is so funny. Like, the growth that a person experiences and the the learning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because then, like, if you speak out about a shitty boyfriend and then they get back together with them and you're just, like, at dinner with this shitty boyfriend and you're like, I wanted you to get voted off the island and you know that. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah like you should be floating in the ocean right now and we should be sailing (laughs) away we should be sailing away that exact circumstance has happened to so many of us so many times like this is like it's like you know one of my friends that exactly happened like I hated this person still do now they're back together and I'm like you know what I told you all the reasons he was terrible and you know know what Jen can text me about this because I have no stakes I and so it's just like, you can bounce that off me all day. I'll absorb it. I'll write a character about it. And then it'll be like filtered. No one will know. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, wait, Sorry. Wait, wait, I totally so interrupted. Go, let's go back. No, no, no. But I want like your mom, you think she's read it, but she hasn't said. Oh, I'm, I'm certain she's read it. Yeah. She's definitely read it. She, I don't like, she, we do have like a pretty honest and like, um, like emotionally intuitive relationship but I think she's like I don't know like distance herself from the, the book a little bit which is fair I don't know yeah it's fair I think that's okay like I think it's like you know not everybody's gonna have the type of uh you know parental figure or whatever who is like all up in your jock about your about your book <laughs> yeah I honestly yeah I think it's like because it's poetry too I feel like if I wrote nonfiction or something maybe she would I don't know. I think there's like a little bit of cringe factor always with poetry, which I kind of embrace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Oh, a poet weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Why one of the happen? best parts. It's one of the best parts of being a poet. <laughs> That's the best thing about publishing poetry, honestly, because like, you know, like there's whole portions of people, you know, who will never read it. Like they just yeah. won't. <laughs> yeah. They still though will buy the book and then it'll just sit there yeah. and you're like, great. Love that for me. Buy that book. Perfect. Great work by you spending money. Do what you want. Thank you for those $3 or whatever. Yeah, whatever it turns (laughs) out to be. Get it at the library. Then I can get that PLR money, okay? Like, figure it out. (laughs) Borrow it as an e-book from the library because then the library has to buy additional copies. You have to get two. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. So get that good hoopla money is what I'm saying. Absolutely. (laughs) That is something I do, like, um, 
But for EPL, I don't know how it works at VPL. There's like, you have to have one book per five holds. So I just put my friend's books on hold, even if I'm going to read them. Because then EPL has to purchase more of them. This is, yeah. I do think there's a similar system, but I'm not sure exactly what it is. I would have to look. But that's a hot tip for people. Yeah. Um, I think it's true for all public library systems is something like that. Because I think it gets gets tracked in sales at publishers. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I just saw it broken down in a in a in a report at my day job. There <laughs> you go. Okay, I'm veering into something that I found really. I just thought it was an incredible way to use footnotes in this book. It was really varied, but they were all again at like a, an important part of how the voice works in this collection. And sometimes you are using them to kind of convey important distinctions, whether like something historically or to provide nuance or some accuracy. And then other times it was using them in a way that sort of the speaker was clearly talking directly to the reader in kind of almost like a winky way, (laughs) (laughs) which I loved. Like, that was again one of the most humorous parts in the book too, because um, each yeah, but they all kind of each type sort of read like as an acknowledgement of something essential to reading the poem in the book overall. Like the one that uses the the quote from Sex in the City <laughs> is so funny to me. I just <laughs> could not stop laughing. Because there's not a ton of <laughs> pop culture references in the book that are super obvious. They're all very subtle. But that one, if you know, you know. And that's basically what the <laughs> the footnote <laughs> reads. So I just wonder kind of what was your thought process with thinking about footnotes? Was this coming from sort of like – I just love footnotes and poems. That's it. I love footnotes, yeah. I, I mean, I really love – uh creative writing I mean academic writing sometimes like too many footnotes I'm like oh my god you guys need to lay off but like (laughs) Carmen Maria Machado or like folks that use really strategically use footnotes I really like that and um I mean I'm not like a a rhyming poet like it does it is like definitely inspired by being a nonfiction writer like I mostly I'm writing just full sentences it's not like um flowery in that way I don't think I would ever be able to write poetry like that so um, it's definitely like like historical research or wanting to be cheeky in the footnotes and things that don't necessarily fit into the flow of the text or or I was told by various editors doesn't fit into the flow of the text so it became a footnote later yeah and the sex in the city one um, I'm glad people got it because I wondered if they would it's also like a way of um, like the people who are younger than millennials, I always mess up what the generation is below. Like they won't get that reference because they probably didn't watch Sex in the City. So if there's people younger than, yeah, 25 reading the You know book, what though? Now they, a lot of young people, Gen Z streaming old shows, so they might catch up to it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Never know. But yeah, oh, that really made me laugh. <laughs> but then also there's like, like that beautiful footnote about, you know, <clears throat> um, please write a poetry book in syllabics. I commit to mm-hmm. writing one of these before I die. Like there's just, yeah, I just, I loved the, how important they felt outside the context of the poem. And I like what you just said too, that they didn't fit into the flow of the poem. And cause I actually think you're, you're, the way you're using language in the, in the book is, is really beautiful. And I, I agree. It's not necessarily flowery, but I think it, it has a beautiful rhythm. I think the mix of very colloquial language, um, into some of these more, I don't know, there were some like incredibly gorgeous descriptions. I just, I like that mix a lot in general. That's it. I just really, well, yeah, I just really like the way this book is written. People I should read it. definitely like, I think some of the, any of the flow came from, like I worked with Joshua Whitehead as an editor. Oh, good. This um, is one of my questions. So I'm glad you're bringing it up. Yeah. So yeah, he um, picked my, picked this book for writer's trust mentorship. And then, so I got to work with him and we went through it over like four months Um which was really good and it definitely got raked through the coals. So any sort of flow is definitely um, from him, I would say (laughs) like that's the result of his. And it was really awesome because 
he also like understands the cultural references or wanting to be veiled about some things. There's definitely like some tidbits in the book that I feel like only Korean people will get. Um, but hopefully is like readable for everyone. So yeah, working with him was really good. And he would say things like this poem feels very vertical. Like what if we make it more horizontal? And I would be like, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) 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 Better to think about it. (laughs) Yeah. That's the poet talk that you're getting into. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? Can I start? <laughs> yeah, why, yes. Poetry, <laughs> ed- poetry edits are like, they mess with you that way. Like, it's, I don't even know. This is why I don't edit poetry. I don't know how. Dina does, though. Yeah. <laughs> There's still some questions that, like, I then in the editing that he gave me that I it was like, I can't address this. And he was like, that's fair. And some of them, I can't even, I can't think of an example right now, but some of them, I'm like, oh, no, I'm sure if I looked at the... Um, document would haunt me <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, or, I totally yeah. get that I yeah. totally get it <clears throat> um okay so this also makes me want to ask you because you also work in other like genres or disciplines and other mediums you've talked about writing nonfiction, but you also do visual art and mm-hmm. so I guess I'm just curious overall kind of about your process and how it varies from from project to project or discipline to discipline. And are you one of those people that is able to kind of simultaneously work on multiple projects in different disciplines? And if so, like, how are you managing that? <laughs> um, I am. I definitely feel like it's so, I am a Taurus with a Virgo rising and moon, which is very like linear. Um, but I definitely feel like artistically chaotic and that I can work on a bunch of things at once. Um, and I was, yeah, I was thinking, we were talking about Condé Nast earlier. I was like, they were the worst for payment out of anyone I've ever written for. <laughs> oh my God. It took over a year to get paid. <laughs> um, so yeah, I definitely work on a bunch of different things. I'm trying to finish a nonfiction book about, um, it's a bunch of personal essays about treaty feminism. So definitely builds on this book. Um, so when I'm working on that right now and then, uh, like a little bit of fiction too I've been getting into um yeah in terms of process I mean there is like we do have like cultural processes in the way that we are supposed to make art um definitely like you're supposed to um like most of the art that I'm making now I often like speak to elders about and trying to see how it fits into our like larger creation story um and whether or not I'm telling bits of that too um so that and then uh, like yeah visiting with people just like such a core part of everything that we do I think like writing can be very isolating a lot of the time so for us like yeah everything comes through like visiting our ideas and I definitely think like my book or any work I do is in conversation with my friends too even if we've like sat at computers in isolated ways and and to do the actual writing I was actually, I was listening to an interview with Billy Ray Belcourt the other day, who's my friend. It's funny to say his full name. Um, and he was talking about how he feels most in his body when he writes. And I thought that was so weird because I don't even think about having a body when I write, I don't think. <laughs> but just like a brain floating and typing. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely also can... feel like you. I, I don't feel like yeah. I have a body at all. Yeah, he said he feels most embodied when he's writing. No, I think I feel most embodied when I'm like doing other things. Like, I don't know, having sex or like, yeah, that's what I was, yeah having sex, eating, like, I don't know. Eating. Honestly, yeah. you know what it is for me. What a cliche. It's truly swimming. I just, that's God. when I like most. Yeah. But like, that's, that's always like. the thing for me. No, it's beautiful. But like, it's yeah. a very funny yeah. poet cliche thing to say that I feel most embodied when I'm in the, when I'm surrounded by liquid. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Billy Ray, I don't know, like, too many writers who would say that, because like, I think that, like, one of the challenges with writing is, like, so often we don't, we forget about our physical selves, and we have to, like, force ourselves to get up and go outside, or, like, go for a walk, or, you know what I'm saying? Or, like, like that just, you have a bladder, and you have to relieve it, you're just like, no, no, push it down. I'm I'm really <laughs> in the groove here, like, I can't acknowledge this part of me, yeah. yeah. And I, I think this is part of the reason, like, a lot, of, I mean, this is part of the reason I like writing, is, like, I don't need to think about my body all the time. I'd rather not, mm-hmm. to be honest. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I just want it to work the best that it can. I'll put some food in it. 
and put some water in it. <laughs> I'll treat it like my plants. <laughs> uh, next time we see Billy, we're gonna ask him about this. I'm like, why? Why? Yeah, was in your body where was this up? interview? <laughs> Gosh, it was a podcast recently. I'm trying okay. to remember what it was. Yeah, okay. I can send it to you after. Yeah, like, that would be huh. great. I would love to. I would love to listen. But he also just yeah. has such a unique mind, and I don't know. He's he's obviously a, he's a real special guy, you know. Hmm. He's all right. (laughs) Listen up. New feud. The three of us. It's Philly. No, I love him. He's here next week. He's the best. He's the best. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see him in the hallway at UBC and I'll just be like, I should see you. What's going on? You don't know about the new feud. Imagine having a feud with that guy. Like, it would be the worst. Imagine having a feud with one of the most well-liked people. And also just like... (laughs) Who is extremely kind. Like, it's not. Listen. I met him when he was 17. Like, we got paired as buddies when he was in his first year at U of A. Oh, (laughs) Emily. Like, original student council buddies. (laughs) That's so cute. That is truly delightful. And then he interviewed me for an article for the school newspaper. So wholesome. (laughs) That is incredibly wholesome. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So we'll uh, keep him. Yeah, we'll keep him. Yeah, he's your buddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jen, do you have any other questions? Are you feeling good? No, I that was a great. lot. I, I feel like we really bombarded Emily. So <laughs> Emily actually answered some of my questions just talking. So that me was too. Really good. I was very we happy when the guest anticipates <laughs> yeah. what we <Yeah>. want. <laughs> Didn't even have to go there. You were already on the right train of thought. Uh, Jen are you ready for your Jen's emotion corner Mm -hmm. okay Uh, your time starts now okay so like I was at a restaurant in Toronto after my launch there having a very nice dinner afterward and um, an article came out about Superfan like I got it on my Google alert and I read it at dinner at a very fancy restaurant and burst into tears so that was a really good time but what's happening now is that I have been feeling really this like overwhelming sort of like grief and loss situation every time I read something about the book um I mean I think it's because I wrote a book and it's a memoir and now everyone's reading about my life and everyone writes about it when they write a review or article or interview or whatever. And I should have prepared myself for this better, but I didn't, (laughs) I did not emotionally prepare myself for this at all. Um, And I think that like, ultimately I'm not okay with like people talking about my mom in specific terms or uh, when my father died or my relationship with dating apps, people keep asking me about the fucking dating apps. I'm not on them anymore. Everybody that was just a period of time in my life. Um, it's not anyone's fault. Truly. It's my own fault, but I think it's, I feel really like tender about it. And like, maybe if you want to talk about my book, you can ask me about the craft perhaps, or like you can ask me about why I love Rihanna. That's fine. I will talk about why I love Rihanna all day, but the rest of it, I don't know, not feeling so good about it, but thanks for reading the book anyway. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah ask Jen about her nemesis Gwyneth Paltrow oh yeah or Gwen Stefani I could talk about her all day absolutely <laughs> uh, Dina yes are you ready for your rage minute? yeah I'm ready okay I'm ready tell me when you're okay, ready okay go uh neck pain too much of it dust too much of it <laughs> work too much of it acid reflux too much of it Prince Harry biography, discourse, and media, too much of it. (laughs) Lineups for brunch, too much of it. Ingrown toenails, too much of it. Emails, too much of it. Horrible ads for Spence Diamonds on the radio when I'm trying to listen to classic rock, too much of it. Headaches, too much of it. University administrative processes, too much of it. Washing dishes, too much of it. Great TV shows I enjoyed watching getting canceled after one or two seasons, too much of it. Time with friends, not enough of it. Brioche donuts, not enough of it. Lazy days, not enough of it. Storage space in apartments, never enough of it. That's it. That's all I have. Oh, you you were under a minute. That's never happened. No. 
yeah, so those are my complaints for now. They're all fair, honestly. All fair. I almost just wanted to write like a whole long thing about dust. I just feel like it's a real dust haven over here right now. And I, how do we combat the dust? I don't know. Like I've given up on dust. Dust is my friend now. It just lives with me. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) Like a sentient dust dust so much because it's like, it's, it's like skin cells. Yeah. Like a lot of things like skin cells. It is. Yeah. (laughs) You're just like hanging out with your former body. It's everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Like, I don't like myself that much. That's upsetting. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Okay. But I do have to talk about these ads for Spence Diamonds that are on the radio (laughs) are so fucking bad. It's that same guy, right? Yes. They're so bad. They try and make them so clever and every single one of them is terrible. The ones over the Christmas holidays were excruciating because there was one that was supposed to be sexy. Like someone comes into the kitchen and they open the coffee, but then instead there's diamond earrings in the coffee and then the coffee doesn't get made for a while. And I'm like, first off, I'd be like, why do my fucking earrings smell like coffee? Why is the coffee? Why didn't you make the coffee before you put the earrings in? Like too many questions. It's terrible. And then this current one is obviously Valentine's day and Callum, the guy who does the ads is talking about, it's like, why do so many people get engaged around Valentine's day? What do you fucking think? (laughs) Anyway, I'm screaming. Every time I hear it, I'm like, I don't own a car, but I'm like in an Evo or a moto or whatever. And I'm like yelling by myself. I'm going to get pulled over one day. They're going to be like, listen, you can't be screaming like that. Who are you yelling why at? Did, why, why, why do diamond gifts always have to be a surprise though? Like, like, why is this, why is it like a jump scare to get a pair of also, earrings? Do is- we not know what the deal? <laughs> yes. This doesn't have to be a jump scare. Also like diamonds. Don't we know that diamonds are bad? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it's all ridiculous. It's yeah. (laughs) And then he calls like Cupid, the little, the chubby baby with the arrows. And I'm like, listen, you can't, you're not charming. I hate you. (laughs) I'm going to write like fan fiction about Callum. Okay. Is Callum, do you hate him as much as I hate Galen Weston? No, I hate them both equally. I hate them both. I'm going to (laughs) write fan fiction about the two of them destroying each other in like a grudge match. That's how maybe I could get my anger out. Galen Weston and Callum from Spence Diamonds just like fight each other to the death. And then we never have to hear from them again. Yeah. And inflation is over. Can we we spare, can we spare? Food is a normal price for people. Spare Chef Chuck from the White Spot ads because I find him charming. No, that's mm. fine. Listen, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. White Spot is fine. It has done nothing in my books. It's saved. White Spot is saved. I okay? miss White Spot. We don't have them here, really. Uh, did you eat any special Vancouver things while you were here? I ate a lot of like salmon. Okay. <laughs> a lot of eat a lot of sushi yeah. and like yeah, more noodles. More yeah. What else did we eat? Um, there's better donuts in Vancouver. Edmonton has shit donuts. We have and I incredibly good donuts. Yeah. I can't lie. Yeah. Vancouver is real good with donuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Edmonton like needs I, to get their shit together. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe what you need to do, befriend somebody online that runs a donut shop and be like, you got to open one here. Yeah. Yeah. That's Wait, true. you know, I make donuts. Yeah, that's oh, true. Wow. Jen does make donuts. I should move to Edmonton and make donuts. There you donuts. go. You can start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. New life path. Yeah. What Whoa, you, did I convince Jen to move here over the course of this podcast? So I can make donuts? You're so persuasive. Emily is <laughs> one of the most persuasive people in the world. <laughs> yeah. Making donuts is really fun. I don't know. People like are afraid to deep fry the donut. It's really fun. I find it so satisfying. Yeah. Watching them puff up in hot oil, this is a satisfying thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Also, they taste yeah. incredible. Jen's donuts Homemade very donuts. good. So good. <laughs> Wait, what if we did something that was like a Hooters, but for donuts? Yeah. And we're all just oh. wearing like little tube tops that have donuts on them. Well, you can wear a tube top. I'm more comfortable. Strategically? Yeah. 
I feel like Emily would wear the tube top also. Oh, I would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Hooters <laughs> here. There was a, it used to be a Hooters in West Edmonton Mall, and it's not here anymore. But I oh. saw one in Toronto when I was there. So. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah, to that Hooters. Still a Hooters. I don't know okay. if they've changed their uniforms. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't think they have. <laughs> yeah. Emily, I have another question. Um, what are your feelings about this roller coaster in West Edmonton Mall? Yeah, well, okay. I am in like a friendship throuple with my friend Matt and Jess and I. Like, we're there's the three of us, and we all left and went to Vancouver at the same time, and then they closed the roller coaster. So I think things fell apart a little bit when we all left. Oh. Um, but I've never been on that roller coaster. I actually write about that in the book. My dad like was a plumber and he worked on the plumbing for WEM when they were expanding it. And he always told me, don't ride that roller coaster because it was so many different <gasps> contractors working oh, on it. No. And he was like, the way they were putting it together, it was just not okay. good. And then four people died on it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's upsetting. So, um, I never went on it. I don't know. I have okay. a little bit of maybe regret about that, but also... Uh, the thing that scares me most about rides is it like coming apart, um, which seems likely yeah. in West Edmonton Mall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in my short story collection, I have a, a story about someone who escapes a small town in BC and goes to West Edmonton Mall because that's her dream. But I've never been to West Edmonton Mall, so I had like multiple friends from Edmonton who were my West Edmonton or Mall consultants. Wow. Yeah. You have I to look, come. I know, I have there. to come. I want to like go read part of the story in the mall. Yeah. Yeah. Do the yeah. launch. We can get Glass Bookshop to do the launch in the mall somehow. We'll find a space. Yeah. It'd be very fun. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, it was fun. Like I was looking at maps online of the mall and like, <laughs> <laughs> it was very fun. And then just obviously people from West Edmonton Mall love talking about it or from Edmonton love talking about the mall. Cause it's like, there's so much going on there. There's so much like different is, cultural commentary. Like there was yeah. like, up until recently, there's like back hallways and there's a bunch of youth like living in the back hallways that would work at like West 49 and then didn't have a house, ran away. So there's like a whole like houseless community living inside the mall yeah. in the back. Well, and there's a little bit of that in the story. Like, cause yeah. I was like, okay, well, I think this person is just going to have to stay in the mall, but yeah. it's kind of leaves, it leaves on a ambiguous note, but I had heard about that. So I was like, oh, this person mm-hmm. can just like hang out at the mall forever it's wild it's wild anyway that's enough about west edmonton mall for now until (laughs) i move to edmonton and start a west edmonton mall podcast (laughs) (laughs) where it's all recorded in the food court (laughs) where where i'm making donuts where jen's making donuts and i'm also wearing a tube top that has donuts on it (laughs) great i love all the plans we've made for today um so you can find us at cantlet.ca. Uh, we're also a part of a uh, real Vancouver, uh, writer series and we'll be getting a new website very soon. So there'll be updates there. It's going to look really pretty. I promise. Um, you can find us on Twitter still. We have not left at cantlet on Twitter and you can find me at Del Botchery on Instagram. You can find Jen at oh on instagram yeah, yeah. at jen leifer but yeah. also still on twitter i mean but honestly. also still on twitter jen <laughs> sufang lee uh i'm at del Botry, also on twitter still um i had a really important fart poll the other day uh i hope some people filled it out <laughs> <laughs> staying on brand staying on message emily where can people find you if you would like them to find you or your book yeah, you can find me uh, basically on all social medias, Emily Jane Riddle. And yeah, my book is out with Nightwood Edition. So please buy it from Massey or Iron Dog or um, Glass Bookshop or your local bookshop. Or take it out from the library. I guess I have to be pro-library on this podcast. Do all of it. it anti-library. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it all. You can get the book in all of these different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Buy it as a gift. Listen, give it, give it to someone you love. <laughs> or hate whatever you want yeah whatever you want okay emily we only have one question left and that is what can't you with i can't with humidity i'm so glad happy to be back on the prairies where my hair feels normal <laughs> and all my zits are drying out and yeah i'm happy to be back to my <laughs> my dry ass life <laughs> that's what i can't with humidity amazing 
That yes. is perfect. Honestly, everyone <laughs> I know from the prairies has that exact vibe and it's very fun. <laughs> to just know there's that unified feeling. Yeah. And also like when I, you open a bag of chips here, like it stays crunchy, like in the coast it just got kind of, I don't know, damp. So that's what <laughs> yeah. there's nothing worse than a damp chip. No, yeah. as Jen, a, a, a prime chip eater. No. Yeah. You just have to eat the whole bag in one go on the coast. Cause otherwise it's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. And what are you going to do? Just buy a smaller bag? Ridiculous. Terrible idea. No. You need no. a full bag. You need a full <laughs> bag of chips. Yeah. Uh, okay. Before we go, I'm going to ask both of you one more question. What is your current favorite type of chip? We're still in wintertime. People need snacks. There could still be opportunities yeah. for storm chips. What do you think? What are which people be eating? I've been into like the ruffled all dressed actually. Oh, recently. that's that's a fun option. Yeah, you know, you know, I really do love like an old Dutch ripple plain chip with a mm. French onion dip. That's mm-hmm. what yeah. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. That is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to stick with the stalwart. Listen, I think you just really can't go wrong with a salt and vinegar chip. Yes. Always. Yeah. It's going to, mm-hmm. it's never going to let you down. No. I want it to burn my mouth. That's yeah. how I want it too. Yeah. And then you yeah, like I want have the roof, roof of my mm-hmm. mouth to feel like sandpaper after. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. And yeah. then you have like a bubbly drink. Mm, perfect. Perfect combo. Perfect combo. All right. We're going to leave you with that. We're going to leave you with something beautiful. Emily, thank you so much. This was delightful. You are so wonderful. And everyone by the big melt. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.